Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Dion Gordon Podcast. I am your host, the connoisseur of common sense, the purveyor of authenticity, and the man who calls everything right down the middle. Dion Tyre Gordon, enough of the bullshit. Let's get to work. Week 10 in the National Football League. An exciting week of football. Six games this week decided on a last-second field goal. I can tell you one game that was not decided on a last-second field goal. Let's go ahead and get the party started in Jacksonville, Florida, Duval County, a place best known for a big-ass naval base and double homicides. The 49ers and the Jaguars. And after a three-game losing streak that had the 49er faithful in a state of depression and despair, A cloud of uncertainty hanging above the 49ers, similar to the cloud of fog that hangs above San Francisco, California for much of the year. 49er fans about to revolt, about to tar and feather defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes if he didn't come out the booth and come down to the field to call plays. Brock Purdy, is he a bust? Is Is he Jeremy Lin? Has the clock struck midnight? Was he a fluke to begin with? Is there a reason why he was Mr. Irrelevant? Idiots, Clods, Dunsons, and nincompoops on television, such as Nick Wright, gleefully boasting and taking a victory lap about the struggles of Brock Purdy to say, ha, 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 I was right the whole time. I told you he sucked. I told you he couldn't play. Everybody dumping on the 49ers. Everybody asking, what's wrong with the 49ers? How come this juggernaut of a football team that began the season 5-0, culminating in an absolute destruction of the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, crushing the buildings on America's team, allegedly. The 49ers had not won a football game since that absolute ass-whooping and annihilation that took place on Sunday night, October the 5th. And here we are in Jacksonville on Week 10. Trent Williams, Debo Samuel back in the lineup. They missed the last three games, and their presence was sorely missed. This football team is not the same without 71 and 19 on the field in the lineup. The offense doesn't even function without Debo Samuel. That's been proven a number of times over the years, and it was definitely proven in the last three games. The physicality, the heart, the soul, the testicular fortitude of the San Francisco 49ers doesn't exist completely absent without Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. And speaking of Trent Williams, my man, my favorite player on the 49er roster, the play of the game, Christian McCaffrey takes a handoff, runs a sweep to the outside. His lead blocker is number 71, Trent Williams. Number 31, Darius Williams of the Jacksonville Jaguars runs away. He turns around. He he retreats. He ran away. He ducked the fade. He wanted no part. Of Trent Williams. No smoke, nicotine patch. I never seen that before. Trent in the post game said the same thing. He had never seen that before. This motherfucker turned around and ran away from Trent Williams and thus ran away from trying to make the tackle on Christian McCaffrey. He said, No mas. I want no parts of this. Please don't hurt me. You know what? I don't blame him. Darius Williams is 5'9, a buck 87. Trent Williams is 6'5. 318 pounds. That's a fully grown adult man. If I was in the same position, I would do the same thing. I'd run away. Protect yourself at all costs. Safety is important. Safety first. Wear your proper PPE. Look both ways before you cross the street and get the fuck out of the way 
when Trent Williams is coming in your direction. That's a business decision. That's a smart move. That's looking out for your future, your well-being, your family, your safety. I'm not even mad at Darius Williams. I'm not, a, I'm not a Jaguars fan. I'm a 49er fan. So I'm happy he ran away and neglected in trying to make the tackle on Christian McCaffrey. But I swear to God, that was one of the funniest things I ever seen on a football field. This guy literally ran away. In the words of legendary professional wrestling commentator Jim Ross, he ran away like a scalded dog, tucked his tail between his legs, and ran away. He had other things to do. Not even mad at him. Don't blame him. Trent Williams is running at you in full speed. Get out of the way. It's just a football game. You got the rest of your life to live. Your life could end right there in that moment. If Trent Williams runs you over, you might be in a DeMar Hamlin situation. And that's the last thing you want. So I'm not even mad at Darius Williams. That's the play of the game. I thought that was hilarious. That was awesome. Funny as hell. Brock Purdy, the much maligned for the past three weeks, Brock Purdy. So many fools, nincompoops, dunces, idiots, brain-dead morons on television, such as the uh, absolutely despicable Nick Wright on television, gleefully boasting about the failures of Brock Purdy the last three games. And talking about, see, I told you so, he sucks, he's garbage, he's a bust, the clock struck midnight, he's a pumpkin, he's Jeremy Lin, he's no good, he can't play, ha 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 ha, I told you so, I'm right. See, that, that's our problem in society and also, especially in sports media, everybody's in a hurry to be right. Everybody is so quick to make an incendiary comment just because they want to be right and they want to be the first one to say something. The problem is when people are proven wrong, they never apologize. They never say, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. I got that all wrong. I fucked that up. No one ever says that. All they do is boast and brag that one time out of 10, they were right, they were correct about something. All these people in the media, the hot take culture that I blame Skip Bayless for and Stephen A. Smith and the rest of these fucking fools on TV just making a complete ass out themselves. And Nick Wright is no different. Nick Wright was on television last week saying that Brock Purdy is in danger of being benched. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? We're gonna bench Brock Purdy for Sam Darnold? Seeing ghost Sam Darnold, we're going to bench the guy that led us to the NFC Championship last season and played at a very high level the entire time he was on the field last season and outside of three games has played at an exceptionally high level. The 49ers are going to bench that dude after a rough three games for Sam Darnold. It's, it's almost as if people don't hear what comes out of their own mouth. Such an insanely stupid comment. Brock Purdy rebounded this past Sunday, 296 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Set the tone early with a touchdown pass to Brandon Ayuk in the back of the end zone. A dangerous pass, I will say that. Not the best decision. A lot of teal and black jerseys in the back of the end zone. Could have been picked. Kyle Shanahan in the postgame said he was not exactly enamored with that decision by Brock Purdy but you know what it worked out the Niners scored Ayuk caught it he plays for the 49ers touchdown and we won the game 34-3 all three of Brock Purdy's touchdown passes in this game against Jacksonville 
10 plus air yards with a time to throw of over 2.5 seconds. Good job for the most part by the offensive line. Brock Purdy has now played 17 games in his NFL career, the equivalent of a full NFL football season. Through 17 games now, Brock Purdy has completed 68% of his passes, a quarterback rating of 110, 31 touchdowns, 8 picks, 4,183 yards for Brock Purdy in his first 17 games and 8.9 yards per completion. That's pretty good. I'll take that. Over 4,000 yards passing, over 30 touchdown passes, something that no 49er quarterback has done in a full season since Jeff Garcia, the same quarterback that I compared Brock Purdy to, the modern-day second-coming, current updated version of Jeff Garcia, the iPhone 14 version of Jeff Garcia. Brock Purdy is doing pretty good, pardon the pun. Glock Purdy, old Purdy bastard, the Attitude Era, Brock Lesnar, the beast incarnate, the suplexer system, mayor of Suplex City from Iowa State University, Barack Purdy, is doing pretty well outside of a rough three-game stretch. Now, I will admit, as I said earlier, the offense does not run the same without Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. But we're talking about two talented football players. We're talking about arguably the best offensive lineman, the best left tackle in pro football in Trent Williams, and the most dynamic playmaker, the most versatile, diverse football player in the NFL, half running back, half wide receiver, ultimate weapon, pure threat in Debo Samuel. You take two guys like that out the lineup, you're going to suffer. I don't care who your quarterback is. You can have Tom Brady at quarterback, Pat Mahomes. You're going to suffer. If I take away your left tackle that might be the best in pro football, a future first ballot pro football Hall of Famer, and I take away Debo Samuel, a talented, extraordinarily gifted player such as him, the offense is going to falter. Kyle Shanahan can't even call plays without Debo Samuel. Let's call it what it is. Happy to have both guys back. Need both of those guys, the physicality, the intimidation, the running game, the nastiness, the grit, the heart, the toughness, the soul of the 49ers is Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. Welcome back. Stay healthy. The defense, the newest acquisition, Chase Young, welcome to the family, my brother. Welcome to the family. Welcome to a real pro football team. Unfortunately for Chase Young, he spent his first three years in the NFL playing for a semi-pro football team that plays in Landover, Maryland, allegedly in Washington, D.C., the Washington Commanders, Chupacabras, Nation of Domination, D-Generation X, whatever the fuck they're calling that pro football team that plays in Landover this week. He's wasted the first three years of his career playing for an absolutely inept and putrid and atrocious football organization, a disgraceful football team such as the Washington Commanders. Now Chase Young has been rescued and rehabilitated and saved from football purgatory and now is a member of the San Francisco 49ers from the outhouse to the penthouse. Chase Young, he made an impact this Sunday alongside his former Ohio State Buckeye teammate Nick Bosa who played his best game of the season this past Sunday. NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Nicholas John Bosa. A sack, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, pressure all day on Trevor Lawrence, the pocket collapsing left and right. Him and Chase Young literally met at the quarterback. They sacked Trevor Lawrence at the same time and knocked the ball out. And to me, showed you a glimpse of what what this defense could potentially be and what this pass rush used to be and could be. 
The 49er pass rush carried this team to a Super Bowl berth in 2019. The 49er pass rush has been the catalyst to a top five consistently ranked defense over the past couple of years, no matter who is the uh, defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryans, doesn't matter. As long as you have that elite pass rush being led by Nick Bosa, the Niner defense is going to be top five. This season, especially the, the past three games, the 49er pass rush struggled. If game recognizes game, the 49ers in the past three weeks, especially on defense in particular with the pass rush, looked pretty unfamiliar. But what I saw this past Sunday looked very familiar. That Niner pass rush was unbelievable. The defense was stifling the Jaguar offense. Three points for a talented offense such as that. Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk. You got some good football players on that Jaguar football team that came in on a five-game winning streak, lined up against the San Francisco 49ers, and got slammed through a table. Now, those are all the good things that happened this past Sunday. Of course, you got to talk about the good. You also got to talk about the bad and the ugly. Colton McKivitz at right tackle. Sexy red ugly. No limit sneaker ugly. I never thought I'd see the day where I missed Mike McGlinchey, but Jesus Christ, every time I watch Colton McKivitz play, I'm like, you know what? Maybe Mike McShitty, Mike McFloppy, Mike McFrisbee wasn't that bad after all. And then again, ever since Kyle Shanahan's been the coach of this football team, I've grown accustomed to terrible right tackle play for the 49ers. And Colton, Colton, Colton McKivitz is following in the footsteps of Mike McFrisbee by being completely feckless as a right tackle, worthless, just ineffective, ineffectual, inefficient, insufferable, just sucks at right tackle. Colton McKivitz cannot play. And he was not the only 49er that struggled. Uh, the Amador Lenore, who I like, had a rough day playing in the slot, poor tackling, was also abysmal in coverage, gave up a 28-yard reception to Christian Kirk out the slot, got beat at the line of scrimmage, Later in the game, gave up a 39-yard completion to Christian Kirk. The Amador Lenore had a rough game and kind of a rough season so far. Has not played to his potential, to expectation. And Ambry Thomas, one of the adjustments made by Steve Wilkes, in addition to leaving the uh, booth and coming down to the field, was putting in Ambry Thomas, a former fourth-round draft pick from the University of Michigan, Played somewhat his rookie season. Made some plays. Remember that game against the Rams? Week 17, Stafford threw a pick to end the game. Who caught that pick? Ambry Thomas. He's had some moments in the NFL, and Steve Wilkes made the adjustment to put him out there. I thought he had a solid football game. I thought Ambry Thomas played pretty well on Sunday. After what I've seen this season from Isaiah Oliver, anything is an upgrade and an improvement over Isaiah Oliver. Oliver is the worst 49er defensive back I've seen since Brian Allen. Remember him? That uh, COVID-19 pandemic 2020 season from hell? That home game against Miami? Brian Allen got torched, got his soul lifted, his lunch money taken, got his ass whooped in that game by Devontae Parker. He was easily the shittiest player on that field that day. Oliver is the worst 49er defensive back I've seen since him. And to give credit to Brian Allen, he was like a four-string guy. He really had no business even being out there. He was on the practice squad. He was like in the XFL or some shit like that, CFL or whatever. 
you know, that's the pass I'll give him. Oliver has been on the NFL roster the entire season. There's really no excuse for how embarrassing he's been as a defensive back this season. So Wilkes made the adjustment, put Ambry Thomas out there, and I thought he had a nice game. Overall, you win 34-3 on the road, East Coast game against a good football team. Coming off, of, You're coming off a of bye week. Jacksonville also coming off a of bye week, but you, as the 49ers, have lost three consecutive football games. Great way to rebound and get right back on track and right the ship with a resounding 34-3 victory on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Excellent job by the 49er players and coaching staff. Next week, week 11 at home against my man Baker Mayfield. Baker, the touchdown maker. Nick Bosa's favorite quarterback. Nick Bosa has had a personal vendetta against Baker Mayfield ever since Baker led the Oklahoma Sooners into Columbus to beat Nick Bosa and the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2018, I want to say. And then in the postgame, Baker Mayfield gets the Oklahoma Sooner flag and plants the flag at midfield in the middle of the O in the horseshoe in Columbus after beating Ohio State. Nick Bosa never forgot that. Fast forward to Monday Night Football in 2019. Baker Mayfield starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns in that game. Nick Bosa's rookie season. Nick Bosa took it personally. Nick Bosa stood on business that night and completely eviscerated Baker Mayfield almost single-handedly. And the Niners kicked the Browns' ass in that game from start to finish. But Nick Bosa never forgot what Baker Mayfield did on that Saturday night in Columbus, Ohio. And he took it personal, like I said, in the postgame. He was still talking shit about Baker Mayfield. Leading up to the game, he was talking about Baker Mayfield. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens this Sunday. Baker now playing quarterback for the Buccaneers. Bosa still obviously, of course, a member of the 49ers, contract extension, etc. Going to be fun to watch. The personal one-on-one battle between Baker Mayfield and Nick Bosa. But that's this Sunday. This past Sunday, the Niners win. Awesome. Phenomenal. Congratulations. I'm always happier and in a much better mood whenever the 49ers win. Hopefully that trend continues this Sunday. Let's talk about some other games. In particular, the AFC East. The Dolphins had a bye week, so they're absolved from the uh, criticism and vitriol that's about to ensue here. But the Patriots and uh, the Jets and the Bills all played this week, and they were all collectively the drizzling shits quarterback play garbage across the board the entire division josh allen mac jones zach wilson all sucked this week zach wilson is new jersey air distilled hot dog water he's terrible mac jones michael mccorkle jones benched once again in the fourth quarter for bailey zappy in the middle of a 10-6 loss over in germany Mac Jones' quarterback play was the worst thing to ever happen in Germany since the Holocaust. It was that bad. That pick he threw in the red zone, inexcusable. Poor footwork, sloppy, falling down, throws it up for grabs, and gets intercepted, and he wasn't good the entire game. And then on Monday night, you got Josh Allen going against the Denver Broncos, a turnover machine. The entire season, he's been a turnover machine. Josh Allen feeling festive the entire season. He's in the holiday spirit. He keeps giving away gifts. 
He can't wait to give the opposing team the football back. Picks, fumbles, doesn't matter. He's in a very generous mood. Josh Allen might as well be Santa Claus. A complete debacle on Monday night. A game Buffalo should have won. They had 12 men on the field in a last-second field goal attempt by the Denver Broncos, which gave Denver another opportunity to kick the game-winning field goal. They missed that first field goal, but it was negated because of 12 men on the field. And then the following, the ensuing play, Denver kicks the field goal to win the game. Buffalo has given away so many games this season, and a lot of that has to do with Josh Allen and his propensity to turn the ball over. The following day, the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, gets fired. Relieved of his duties, turn in your badge, clean out your desk, and get the fuck out of here. Even though Buffalo was top five in many offensive categories all season, EPA, passing yards, passing completions, touchdowns, Josh Allen's like number two in the NFL in touchdown passes, but he's also number one in picks. He's thrown 11 interceptions this season. You simply can't win football games when your quarterback turns the ball over that much. He's throwing them out of games, and some of these picks, the majority of the picks he throws are bad decisions. It's poor decision-making by a guy that has all the talent in the world. No one has ever questioned Josh Allen's arm talent, but the thought process, the mentality, his mental makeup, that's what you question. He's a modern-day Brett Favre, minus the welfare fraud. But Josh Allen might be a fraud. This guy was put up on a pedestal by so many people, myself included. I, for a lot of years, said that Josh Allen is a top three quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, number one. And then you can flip-flop Joe Burrow and Josh Allen between two and three. But currently, in 2023... You cannot include Josh Allen in any top three or top five quarterback conversation, discussion, dialogue, whatever the case may be. He is no longer in that conversation. Too many turnovers, too many poor decisions. And this is a guy, I feel bad for him in some cases because in a lot of ways he's being asked to carry that football team offensively. I feel like they put too much on his plate. Buffalo does not commit enough to the running game. They have the ability, they can run the football but they just they don't they don't commit to it. They put together a drive in the second quarter of this game. They ran the football and they moved the ball down the field and Josh Allen throws a touchdown pass. And I'm thinking to myself, do this more often. Run the fucking football. Don't put everything on 17's plate. Don't use him as your de facto number 1 lead running back. James Cook is a pretty good running back. Use him. Leonard Fournette currently plays for the Buffalo Bills. Use him. But Buffalo definitely has got to get something figured out. Their upcoming schedule is a nightmare. Murderers row. They got Dallas and Kansas City and Philadelphia on their schedule coming up. They got Miami at the end of the season down in Miami. It's a tough schedule for a football team that's currently 5-5, five and five, currently on the outside looking in, not currently in the playoffs in what is – a pretty loaded AFC. You got about 12 teams in the AFC with five wins or more. And Buffalo, like I said, is sitting on the outside looking in. Second place in their division is not looking good right now for the Buffalo Bills. And Sean McDermott, the head coach in Buffalo, I think he's on the hot seat. You already fired Leslie Frazier in the offseason, despite the fact that when Leslie Frazier was there, you consistently had a top five defense. Now, I understand that you don't have Tredavious White or Matt Milano, both guys lost for the season, two very good football players. Your defense is going to take a step back 
whenever you lose two players of that caliber. I get that. But Buffalo's defense right now is ranked 16 in the NFL. And McDermott is a defensive guy. That's his background. He was in Carolina for a lot of years, the coordinator down there. They got to get this figured out. Or in my opinion, I think McDermott gets fired at the end of the season. There's a lot of talent in Buffalo, and they're not winning right now. This is a team with Super Bowl aspirations before the season started. They're not even close to that right now. Buffalo is drowning in a pool of blue cheese dressing, and they need to figure a way out before it's too late, or else they're going to miss the playoffs this season. The Jets, the New York Jets, are you, are you ready for this? This stat I'm about to say is mind-boggling. The New York Jets have not scored a touchdown since October 29th, 2023. They have not scored a touchdown the entire month of November. They have not scored a touchdown in 36 possessions. They have not scored a touchdown in 11 quarters. That kind of offensive futility is almost unheard of, especially in the modern-day NFL where defense is pretty much... The NFL has tried very hard to legislate defense out the NFL. you got to try really hard to be this shitty on offense, and somehow the New York Jets are doing that. The best quarterback play we've seen in New York all season is Aaron Rodgers before the game throwing passes. Aaron Rodgers on half an Achilles is better than Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson has thrown one touchdown pass, one uno, one touchdown pass in the last five games he's played. How do you even do that? How is that possible? One touchdown pass in five games. Robert Sala, my man Robert Sala, former defensive coordinator for my beloved 49ers, is insanely loyal to Zach Wilson. I don't understand it. If I'm Robert Sala, I'll go get Carson Wentz. Fuck it. I'll get Matt Ryan. I don't care if he's currently retired and doing work for CBS as an analyst doing live football games. You got a team in New York. Good defense, great defense, outstanding defense, great running game. Brees Hall, weapons on the outside, Garrett Wilson. You got good football players in New York playing for the Jets, and you got an absolutely pathetic quarterback running the show right now. Zach Wilson cannot play. I'm sorry. I apologize. I sat here on this podcast many times years ago, advocated for the 49ers to draft Zach Wilson because I believed in him that much. I was wrong. Unlike the folks on television, I, I got no issue in saying this. I got no problems, no qualms in saying this. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was wrong about Zach Wilson. He can't play. He just doesn't have it. It's not there. One touchdown pass in five games in the modern-day NFL. Are you even trying? Just an absolute disgrace. Rodgers is talking about coming back in December off that torn Achilles he suffered opening night in September against Buffalo. If I'm Rodgers... I, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even bother with this. What's the point? By the time he thinks he's ready to come back, the Jets are more than likely going to be mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. What would be the point in Aaron Rodgers coming back in mid-December? Coming off a torn Achilles, pushing 40, all of that going against him. Logic says he should sit out the rest of the season, come back next year, recharged, refocused, reinvigorated, and play next season fully healed off the torn Achilles. Not a miraculous comeback in four months for a football team that may or may not be in playoff contention by the time he thinks he's ready to come back. I don't understand it. 
the Jets are completely worthless. The last time they scored a touchdown was October 29th in maybe the worst football game I ever seen. That was against another woefully inept football team that plays in New York slash New Jersey. The Jets and the Giants had arguably the worst football game ever played. 25 punts in that game. Final score, 13-10, 25 punts, more punts than first downs, more punts than combined points between both teams, 13-10. In overtime, they had to go to overtime to score 13 points. That's, that's trash. That's completely unacceptable in a modern-day NFL. You can't win football games that way. The Jets are one of those teams because their offense is so horrendous. Everything has to go rights for them to win everything has to be perfect the defense has got to be outstanding they can't give up any more than 15 points really or 13 points to win football games then you got to hope for a big play on special teams a kick return a punt return for a touchdown then you got to hope the running game accumulates about 150 yards then you got to hope that zach doesn't turn the ball over and maybe maybe just maybe can throw a touchdown pass one and not turn the ball over. That's a lot of ifs. A lot of things got to go right for the New York Jets to win a football game. To me, it's time to abandon ship. Next year's NFL draft in the first round, the New York Jets got to take another quarterback. They're in that they're in that category, and they're in that class of football teams that I feel like has got to take a quarterback in round one of next year's draft. The Jets, the Giants, the Giants currently got some dude named Tony DeVito playing quarterback. Who the fuck is that? Tony Soprano would be a better option than Tony DeVito. Danny DeVito is like four foot seven. He'd be a better option at quarterback than Tony DeVito or Tony Danza, whatever his name is. Two teams going absolutely nowhere. The Jets, Giants, Patriots, Bears. I'll say the Falcons as well because Desmond Ritter is not very good either. Those five teams to me. Got to go quarterback next season. Michael McCorkle-Jones, time is up in New England, my friend. I saw a stat the other day that once again blew my mind. It said, by the time that Tom Brady had lost his 13th home game or 13th game playing at Gillette Stadium, he had already he'd won 80 games. He was 80 and 13 by the time he lost his 13th game playing at home at Gillette Stadium. Mac Jones has already lost 13 home games. He's 8-13 all-time at home playing at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. You can't win home games. You've lost the locker room. you got legendary expatriates such as Rob Gronkowski publicly saying that you should ask for your release. That's a big deal right there. That's major. This is one, this is one of... The greatest players in franchise history, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, a future first ballot pro football Hall of Famer, and he's publicly saying that you should ask for your release. It's time to go, brother. Mac Jones is not going to be the quarterback in New England next season. He may not play again this season. That pass, that awful interception he threw against Indianapolis over there in Germany, that is more than likely the last pass he's ever going to throw in a Patriots uniform. He's not good. He never was good, in my opinion. He can't play. He does not galvanize his teammates. He does not inspire anything, any hope or optimism. And then we got to have a conversation about Bill Belichick. Is Belichick going to be the coach of that team next season? Whatever quarterback they draft, is Bill Belichick going to be around to try to groom and develop that quarterback? 
he had an opportunity with Mac Jones. Obviously, that failed. That, that has not worked out. The results of Mac Jones have been abysmal. Bill Belichick had an opportunity to show the world that this dynasty, this juggernaut that we had in New England, 21 seasons of winning games and kicking everybody's ass and winning six championships and playing in nine Super Bowls, being the dominant football team in the NFL for two decades. Bill Belichick had a chance to show the entire world, to show everybody, this is all about me. Yeah, Tom is a great quarterback, and we got other great players. We had Randy Moss and Wes Welker for a couple of years. A whole list of great football players. Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, Vince Wilfork, Rodney Harrison. The list goes on and on. Belichick had a chance to show the entire world this was me. I'm the reason. I'm the catalyst. I'm the straw that stirs the drink. Don't talk about the quarterback. The quarterback plays for me. He runs my plays. He runs my system. He does what I tell him to do. The success, the reason for the success in New England for the past 20 years was about me. He had a chance to make it about him, and he's failed. He had a chance to groom Mac Jones and show the entire world, okay, I made Tom Brady, now I can make Mac Jones. Remember that Jay-Z song from back in the day, Lost Ones? I heard a motherfucker saying he made Hove, made Hove say, okay, so make another Hove. Bill Belichick had a chance to make another Tom Brady and failed miserably. Mac Jones is nowhere close to being in the same galaxy, stratosphere, as Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. This experiment has failed. You look at the guys that Belichick has drafted over the past couple of years, Mac Jones, Nikhil Harry, Guys like that, they all failed. Name a great player the Patriots have drafted since 2018. Name one. Who is it? Why did Brady leave in the first place? An absence of talent. Didn't have good players around him at the skill positions in particular. And that's on Belichick. Belichick, as, as Bill Parcells, as his mentor, once famously said, you want me to cook the dinner, the least you can do is let me buy the groceries. Well, Robert Kraft has allowed Bill Belichick to buy the groceries, and all those groceries perished. They all spoiled. That dinner tastes like shit. There's no seasoning. There's no flavor. The potato salad has blueberries in it. That dinner sucks because Bill Belichick, the chef, fucked that dinner up. And without the main ingredient, which was Tom Brady, the food tastes like shit in New England right now. That clam chowder stinks in New England right now. It's not good. The Patriots are 2-8. and eight. They're not good. And the three teams that all played representing the AFC East this week were all completely embarrassing. An absolute shit show in Buffalo, New England, and New York slash New Jersey. But you know what? Enough of the slander and ridicule and disrespect and maligning football players. Let's go in a different direction. Let's offer some praise, some recognition, Three quarterbacks in particular, three black quarterbacks, as a matter of fact. My man C.J. Stroud of the Houston Texans, Joshua Dobbs, playing now for the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, we try to be fair here. We talk about this at the onset of every podcast. The man who calls everything right down the middle. I don't care who you are. I don't care what team you play for. I don't care how much I hate loathe and despise the team you play for 
I'm still going to give you credit. I'll still acknowledge you. I'll still celebrate your victories and when you do well. And right now, Dak Prescott is playing good football. Dak Prescott, ever since that 49er ass whooping, ever since getting his lunch money taken by the mighty San Francisco 49ers on Sunday Night Football, Dak Prescott's been playing good football. 272 and one touchdown against the L.A. Chargers on Monday night. 304 and four touchdowns and one pick against the L.A. Rams. 374, three touchdowns, no picks in Philadelphia against the Philadelphia Eagles. And this past Sunday against a miserable, pathetic, woefully inept, complete garbage ass New York Giants football team. 404 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Quarterback rating over 104 consecutive weeks. Dak Prescott's playing good football. You got to celebrate it. You got to acknowledge it. You got to call it out. If somebody does bad, call it out. If somebody does well, celebrate it. I call things right down the middle, as I say at the beginning of every single podcast. And right now, Dak Prescott is playing out of his mind. He's outstanding. Now, I will say this. There's a caveat to this. Dak Prescott and Dallas in general usually play at a high level. They usually play to a standard at home against terrible football teams. And make no mistake about it, the New York Giants are a terrible football team. But at the same time, that's the team that's on your schedule. That's who you're playing that week. And you got to go out there and take care of business. And that's what Dak Prescott did. He destroyed the New York Giants this past Sunday. I don't care who the competition is. You got to go out there and play football. It's still grown men. They watch film. They lift weights. They prepare. They get ready. They're getting paid. They're being compensated millions of dollars to play football. Dak Prescott is playing top five quarterback caliber football right now. He's showing you his ability. The knock on Dak has always been he can't beat good football teams. As well as he played against Philadelphia, they lost the game. However, I don't put that loss squarely on the shoulders of Dak Prescott. I said that in a previous podcast. They did not lose that football game at Philadelphia because of Dak Prescott. They lost that football game because mistakes, penalties, couldn't get off the field on third down, and just overall bad luck. They had a guy being stopped short of the goal line on the fourth down on a potential touchdown. Dak on a two-point conversion, steps out of bounds, negates a two-point conversion. Just overall bad luck in Philadelphia. But they've won three of the last four games and taken care of business. I'm kind of up and down with this, but I'll give Dak credit for playing well in the games that he's played in. If you are, in fact, a Dallas Cowboys fan, you got to hope that this trend not only continues, but Dak can buck the trend of not playing well in playoff games and against better competition. If you are a a good Christian, a good Samaritan, somebody of high moral fiber and integrity, someone that uses both their left and right turn indicators in traffic, somebody that picks up their trash and doesn't litter, if you are that kind of person, an upstanding citizen and contributing member to society, then you are not a Dallas Cowboys fan and you are hoping and rooting against Dak Prescott that he does not play well in the playoffs as a 49er fan. I'm hoping for the latter instead of the former. But for right now, for today and today only, congratulations to Dak Prescott 
and the Dallas Cowboys for playing good football, winning three of the last four games, and completely crushing the buildings on one of the bottom five teams in the NFL, a hideously awful New York Giants football team. But you got to play who's on the schedule, so good job, Dak, and good job, Dallas. Joshua Dobbs. He just got to Minnesota about two weeks ago. He's still learning his teammates' names, and yet here he is, 2-0, playing quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. This past Sunday, they took care of the New Orleans Saints at home in Minnesota, 27-19. They were up 27-3 at one point in this game. Daniel Hunter took Derek Carr, the Saints quarterback, out the game. Here comes Jameis Winston to the rescue. My man Crab Legs came off the bench, stood on the 50-yard line and yelled, grab her right in the pussy or whatever the fuck he said at Florida State back in the day. And by the way, speaking of Florida State, Jameis is about to get his jersey retired at Florida State. Congratulations to my man Jameis Winston, the most interesting and entertaining football player in the NFL God bless Jameis Winston. Came in through two very impressive touchdown passes. And then, in true Jameis fashion, threw two interceptions. Two terrible decisions. Throwing in the triple coverage more than once, a couple of times. But that's, that's Jameis Winston. That's the Jameis Winston experience. Some highs, some lows, all in the same game. He might give you 500 yards, four touchdowns, and four picks all in the same game. He is the updated Black version of Jay Cutler and Eli Manning. He's awesome. I love Jameis Winston. I would not want him on the 49ers because he turns the ball over too much. But still, I, I like watching him play. I think he's a funny-ass dude. I think he's very – he's entertaining. He's fascinating. I root for Jameis. I always did. I always liked Jameis Winston. It's just that he turns the ball over a lot. But he's a fun guy to watch. Vikings take care of business at home. Joshua Dobbs, 263. One touchdown, no picks, clean football, 2-0 in Minnesota. Now, you got to start asking the question, is Dobbs the future in Minnesota? Kirk Cousins, my man, 1 o'clock Kirk Cousins, out for the season, unfortunately, torn Achilles. Is Joshua Dobbs the future quarterback, the franchise quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings going forward? Going forward, have they found their guy by accident? Did they slip, fall, and bump their head and trip into Joshua Dobbs? You know who could use Joshua Dobbs right now? The Cleveland Browns. They traded him on August 24th to Arizona for a fifth-round draft pick. He was uh, Deshaun Watson's backup. The same Deshaun Watson that unfortunately is out for the season with a broken bone in his shoulder. Cleveland could use Joshua Dobbs right now, but he's in Minnesota right now doing great things. I got to acknowledge the head coach in Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell. I don't think he's going to win head coach of the year. That's probably going to go to either Mike Tomlin or really the front runner, the leader in the clubhouse for that award, D'Amico Ryans, down there in Houston, Texas, with the Houston Texans exceeding expectations and doing so with a rookie quarterback. That is what we call a smooth segue into talking about C.J. Stroud continuing to do big things, playing at a high level, not playing like a rookie, although he did make a rookie-type throw in that Bengals game this past Sunday. A poor decision, a poor throw that got picked off and got Cincinnati back into the game. Houston was up 27-17. Stroud throws an inexplicably bad interception, 
And the Bengals take it down and score to get the ball back again. They tie the game 27-27, but Stroud regains his composure, doesn't flinch, doesn't blink, takes his team down the field, sets up for a game-winning field goal, and they win 30-27. The Houston Texans are in playoff contention. They are a legitimate playoff contender. They are playing good football as a team, and D'Amico Ryan's like I said, the front runner for head coach of the year this season, and C.J. Stroud, congratulations, I'm already going to call the fight. C.J. Stroud has already won Offensive Rookie of the Year. It's not even close. 15 touchdown passes, two picks, and has guided his team to a playoff well, to playoff contention. Not, not a playoff berth yet. We're not there yet. But the fact that Houston is legitimately in playoff contention, speaks to both the head coach and the quarterback, D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud, both men doing a tremendous job. And for C.J., you got to have a legitimate conversation about him being in the MVP conversation. If that were to happen, he would be the first rookie to win league MVP as rookie season since the late, great Jim Brown in 1957. A long way to go before that happens, but it's a possibility. It could happen. C.J. Stroud is playing that high caliber of football right now. Another head coach that's also in Coach of the Year conversation is Dan Campbell, the head coach of the Detroit Lions. Detroit 7-2. They were a team that a lot of people in preseason and before that, the offseason, were talking about could be one of the better teams this season, and that's been true. They've lived up to that standard. 7-2, that's a big deal for Detroit. Detroit has missed the playoffs since about 2015. They've been a struggling franchise for a long time. I'm happy to see the success that Detroit is having right now. I'm a huge fan of Jared Goff. I've always said to me, Jared Goff is a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. I think, he's, I think he's also, in my opinion, the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. People don't talk about Jared Goff enough. I thought it was bullshit the way he got thrown under the bus in Los Angeles. Now, you could say, well, they traded him for Matt Stafford and he won a Super Bowl. That's true. But long-term, I would rather have Jared Goff over Matt Stafford, and I don't believe that I feel like they could have won a Super Bowl with Jared Goff eventually. He got them to a Super Bowl in 2018. He's thrown for over 4,000 yards multiple times throughout his career. I think he's a very good NFL quarterback. And you're seeing it right now in Detroit. 7-2, first place in that division. They're going to win that division, even, even though Minnesota's playing good football. Minnesota's playing very well right now because of Josh Dobbs. And doing so without, even, without Justin Jefferson. Wait till he gets back. But I still think Detroit's going to end up winning that division. And they won this past Sunday out there in Los Angeles. The City of Angels beat the Chargers 41-38. Another thrilling, exciting, scintillating football game that came down to a last-second field goal. Detroit in this game had 200 rushing yards and 533 total yards of offense. That's a physical football team. And they've invested a lot of draft capital in their offensive and defensive line. You're seeing the benefits starting to show out right now. And here's a very odd, peculiar, weird stat about that game. The Lions are the only team in 2023 to score 31-plus points in three quarters, while their opponent scored 24-plus points in the same time frame. It was a shootout. It was a back-and-forth game. 
Keenan Allen tied the game at 38 with his second touchdown in the game. Brock Wright scored his first touchdown in 2023, giving Detroit a 38-31 lead. It went back and forth, like I said. Riley Patterson comes out, kicks a game-winning 41-yard field goal, a walk-off field goal, and Detroit wins 7-2. Congratulations to them. That's a team in the NFC that, as a 49er fan, we got to worry about. Right now, they have a better record. The Niners are 6-3, Detroit 7-2. That's a team I do not want to run into in the playoffs. I'll say that right now. I want no parts of the Detroit Lions. Detroit is kind of like a younger version. I, I won't say 2019 49ers because I don't think their pass rush is that good. But they kind of, they remind me. There's a lot of similarities there in the roster construction and the way they play football. They're physical up front. They try to control and win the line of scrimmage. Physically tough, mentally tough, excellent quarterback play, and a coach that's not scared to coach. A coach that has balls several times in that game against the Chargers. Detroit went for it on fourth down, and it paid off a number of times. You got to have balls. You got to have courage. You got to have hearts, cojones, to coach the way that Dan Campbell coaches and believe in your players, and your players reciprocate that belief back to you by executing and winning the football game. Excellent job. Great congratulations to Detroit. I would say keep up the good work, but they play in the NFC. They're kind of in our way, but it's fun to watch. As a football fan, it's fun to see a team like Detroit that's been down for so long get their shit together and start playing good football and really have a legitimate football team that you can be proud of. If you are a Detroit Lions fan, if you are a resident of the state of Michigan, you got a football team finally after all these years that you can be proud of. Good job, Detroit. And finally, let's take a trip to a place I'm very familiar with, one of my favorite American cities, Baltimore, Maryland. Say what you want about Baltimore. I don't care. I love that city. The football team, not so much. But I love the city of Baltimore, Maryland. Great crab cakes. Back in the day, the best strip clubs I ever went to. Always had a great time in Baltimore. And I'll tell you who else had a great time in Baltimore well, this past Sunday, especially the Cleveland Browns down 14 points in the fourth quarter, fought back to win 33-31. Lamar Jackson threw a pick six in the fourth quarter to help them out. But also Deshaun Watson, after getting off to a rough start, Goes 14-14 in the second half, completes every pass, 103 yards, one touchdown pass, and got, the, got his team back into the game. Unfortunately, suffered an injury in this, in this game that's going to end his season, done for the year with a broken shoulder, which makes what he did in the second half that much more impressive. The injury took place in the first half. This guy's carving up your secondary, 14-14, no incompletions, perfect football, with a broken shoulder. Say what you want to about Deshaun Watson. He's tough. I remember he played a game in college, I think, with a torn ACL when he was playing for Clemson. He's a tough guy. I like Deshaun Watson. I was sad to hear and read that he got hurt. I always liked Deshaun Watson. People like to make fun of him because of his off-the-field transgressions. I used to be in the Navy. I'm a former sailor. It would be hypocritical of me to ridicule Deshaun Watson. I was doing the same shit. I like getting massages, and I like getting a happy ending at the conclusion of that massage. If you can rub me down and relax the muscle, the muscle tension in my body and then finish that off with a good blowjob, God bless you. 
Deshaun Watson did nothing wrong. All it is is a good massage and a good blowjob. What's wrong with that? Get well soon, Deshaun Watson. But to me, the biggest story coming out this game, the continued fourth quarter struggles of Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. The three games they've lost this season, they've blown leads in the fourth quarter. And a big reason for those blown leads, turnovers by Lamar Jackson against Indianapolis, against Pittsburgh, and this past Sunday against Cleveland, Lamar Jackson cannot take care of the football in the fourth quarter. Lamar so far this season, 10 touchdown passes, 5 picks. Anyone that listens to this podcast, anyone that talks football with me knows my favorite quarterback stat, because I feel like it's the best one, it's the most reflective stat of what you're doing. How, how often are you doing something positive versus how often are you doing something negative? How many times are you awesome versus how many times do you fuck up? That My favorite stat is touchdown to interception ratio because it illustrates that. And Lamar has 10 touchdowns and five picks. Two to one touchdown to interception ratio and the majority of those picks took place in the fourth quarter of games that Baltimore lost. You can't win like that. That's not sustainable. And for Baltimore going forward, they're playing right now, as a matter of fact. Lamar's got to clean that up. You got paid in the offseason. Well, you deserved it. You got your money. I'm not going to complain about that. I'm never, go- I'm never going to knock a brother getting paid. Him and Deshaun both got broken off handsomely. Lamar, you got your money. Now you got to go continue to earn it. And you got to go show people that you deserved all that money that you got. And you're not doing that in the fourth quarter of big games right now. You got to clean that up. Congratulations to the Cleveland Browns. It sucks that Watson got hurt. Dorian Thompson Robinson, another quarterback that I liked very much coming out the draft. Young man from the University of California, Los Angeles, better known as UCLA, will now step in for the injured Deshaun Watson. Good luck to him, and we'll see what happens going forward. With all that being said, this concludes this edition of the Deion Gordon Podcast. Eternally grateful, always humble, and very much appreciative. And remember at all times, tread lightly like a woodpecker with a headache. Until next time, picture me rolling. I'm out.